Well, thank you all so much. Please have a seat. And thank you so much for having me here tonight. Um, I'll try not to uh, die of old age or diabetes or anything while I'm up here or let my teeth fall out. Uh, Gary McGlamory said to me a while ago, I feel old. I said, no, Gary, you are old. Uh, and, and I relate. Uh, I promise I won't talk as long as Brian talks. I love listening to Pastor Brian preach. He is an exciting, engaging, motivating speaker. I wish I had his energy. If I could preach like Pastor Brian and if I were as handsome as Garrett Smith, I would have it made. Um, and it is an honor to be here with you tonight. And I have thought for decades at Cascade Hills that we needed a ministry just like this. And we were missing the boat on it. And then three years ago, we called Pastor Brian, and now we have this ministry. And I am so glad for it. So I'm the care team pastor, which means that I do weddings, funerals, hospital visitation. And I get to talk to a lot of people with a lot of issues and questions and problems and so forth. And I have learned a lot of things as care team pastor. Did you know that you can take 15 Xanax and still drive to the gas station to get a 12-pack of beer? I did not know that until I became care team pastor. Did you know that a woman can be separated from her husband for years because he beats her and she can still get pregnant by him? I did not know that until I became care team pastor. If you can dream it up, I hear it in my office. Here are my top three things that I hear in this order. These are the top three issues that I encounter. Issue number one, wimpy men. Stuck in puberty, can't make a decision, can't move ahead in life, cannot get or hold a job, just want a game all day. Y'all women know any guys like that? Okay. Issue number two, bossy domineering women. Oh, 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 wait. Oh, wait. I was just supposed to just bust on the guys but not say anything about you. I was supposed to leave y'all alone, right? No, that is not how this works. I have couples that come into my office and the woman's mouth is like a buzzsaw. And on top of that, she just contributes absolutely nothing to the relationship unless it's the number of TikTok videos viewed. Too bad you can't do that for a living. Issue number three that I see is young people who can't or won't adult. And that is very distressing for me to see. And I know that there are some of you here tonight, you have real problems that hold you back, and I get that. But most of you should have no trouble gaining traction in your life. And many of you do gain traction, and good for you. I have three kids, 32, 29, and 25, and they're all adulting well. I always told them growing up, get an education, get a job, get out. And they did. Now, most of you are either in college, 
or your young professionals and unmarried. You still have a lot of options in life and a lot of decisions to be made. One primary determinant of your future happiness is how well you adult today. And if you're not already leaving adolescence behind, then you are late to the game. Another primary determinant of your future happiness is who you marry. The primary determinant of who you marry is who you can attract. And the primary determinant of who you can attract is how well you adult. And you should be able to see how all these things kind of are bound up together. Men don't want the TikTok girl. And women don't want the gamer boy. You've got to have a better plan than that for adulting. Billions of people have successfully adulted before you and so can you. Now, fortunately... For all of us, the Bible gives us one little verse about the life of Jesus that is a good pattern for us all to follow. It can help with adulting. It can even help with old people like like Gary and me. All right, so that one little verse is Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. The verse says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is all we get about Jesus from the time he was 12 and then from the time from then until the time he was 30. This is how Jesus went from adolescence to adulthood, and it is a great pattern for all of us to follow. But before we move ahead, let's pray and ask God to illuminate as we look at this one verse. Father, I pray for every person who's here tonight. I pray that whatever decisions it is that they have to make in their life, the, the patterns in life that they deal with, the sin that they deal with, the obstacles that they deal with, that in everything that they would just look to you and look to grow and be like Jesus was, that he increased in wisdom and stature, and that each one here would grow in favor with God and with men. And I pray that our church would help them with that in any way that we can. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this one little verse, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. One little verse of 14 words is packed with a lot of information. We see here Jesus becoming an adult. And he started doing it when he was 12 years old, okay? So for this one verse, here's what we learn about the life of Jesus as he became an adult. So first we see that Jesus continually advanced toward adulthood in a progressive manner. Now, I went to seminary and I learned just enough Greek to be obnoxious. This Greek tense of the verb grew is imperfect active indicative. This means that the action is going on, but it's never completed. So I hate to tell you all this, but you never arrive at a perfect level of maturity. As long as we live, we're learning to adult more and more. Now, not long ago, I had lunch with a friend of mine from from college. So 
I was in college with this guy from 18 to 22, and then we graduated and went our separate ways, and I kind of kept up with him, and, and uh, you know, used to you couldn't keep up with people. Once you parted ways, you never saw them again. Now we have, we have Facebook, and you can just get right back with uh, everybody that you've ever known, and uh, it's very, been very handy for that. So I get with this guy, and we have lunch uh, in Birmingham where he lived, and he told me, he said, uh, you know, I, uh, he was catching me up on his life. He was saying, we, um, we adopted a child. We realized the child wasn't really developing right, so we went and we found out that the child has fetal alcohol syndrome. He said that his wife has been dealing with some mental illness. Uh, this guy's had employment challenges, and he's had financial challenges. And this is the thing that I remember he said. He said, I thought things would just level out after college. I thought once I got out of college, I wasn't going to class anymore, I would just get a job and I would get married and just settle down and everything would just smooth over. But it doesn't happen that way. It is forever a continual battle to do the right thing and the mature thing. And so spiritually, we must continually strive to be like Jesus and you can expect to do this in a progressive nature. Number two. The Greek verb is translated as grew, can also be translated as profited. So we can see that Jesus profited in wisdom and stature. You can expect to profit from adulting. Adulting brings you good things. Now, some of you want to be out from under your parents. And if you just hate authority, then you're wrong, and that's not really what I'm talking about. What I mean is, You've just outgrown living at home, and that happens. There's a time you just outgrow that, and it is time to move on. But in case you haven't noticed, you can't just wish your way into an apartment or into a house. It just doesn't happen that way. And maybe you just can't move out right now. That's okay, but you should have some sort of plan for that. You should be saying, okay, I'm living at home with my parents, but I have this job. I'm saving this money. At some point, I'll be able to move out and do my own thing. So you should have a plan for that. Same thing for your cell phone bill. Same thing for your auto insurance. Adults pay those things themselves, you know. Uh, I know it's expensive because I pay for all that. And I work at Cascade Hills, you know what I mean? So Jesus profited as he increased in wisdom and stature. So expect good things to come your way as you adult well. Third thing we see is that Jesus' primary growth was Godward. His secondary growth was manward. Adulting is not just graduating from the right school, getting the right degree, getting the right job, buying the right house, marrying the right spouse, and having the right baby. The very first step in you adulting well is you being right with God through Jesus Christ, then growing as an adult Christian. All other relationships are secondary. Your primary relationship with God impacts every other relationship that you have, every last one of them. And you can expect your primary relationship with God to be facilitated and governed. You can expect your primary relationship with God to 
facilitate and govern all of your secondary relationships with other people. So where you are with God determines how successful you are in other relationships. Ladies, you cannot put God on the back burner for some sketchy guy. You get where you need to be with God, and the right guy will find you. Guys, don't be hanging on to some girl that God, God is telling you to remove from your life. I don't care how hot she is. If God's telling you to move on, then you do that. And can I just say, it is okay to meet somebody at church. I met my wife at church, but I hear people say all the time, well, you shouldn't go to church to meet somebody. Well, will you please tell me where a better place is so I can start sending people there? And if you'll notice, no one ever applies this logic to any place else. No one ever says, well, you know, you shouldn't go down on Broadway to meet somebody. Nobody ever says, well, you shouldn't go online to meet somebody. No, it's always you shouldn't go to church to meet somebody. But let me just lay it out to you just like this. There's no better place to meet a spouse than right here at Cascade Hills Church. So, just a don't like Jesus, and that person will materialize right before your eyes. You ever think about doing this? Just make up a list. All right, how many of y'all got a list? Okay. See, you were up here singing, so I know you're okay being <laughs> up here. Like, what are some things that are on your list? Kind, patient, sweet. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. So what I'm saying to you is, you be kind, you be patient, and you be sweet, and that kind, patient, sweet guy will just materialize, or maybe he already has materialized. Are you being kind, patient, sweet, or? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So good for you. Just adult like Jesus did, and that person will materialize right before your eyes. Fourth thing we see about Jesus adulting is Jesus adulting was normative. Adulting and Christian growth are not the exception. They are the rule. Read 1 John. It's just five chapters. Not hard to read. You can read that. Christian growth is just as normal for the Christian as physical growth is for a child. It just happens, or at least it seems to. And we have... Buku resources at Cascade Hills to help with that. Use them, people. We have Bible study classes. We have groups organized around specific interests. We have volunteer opportunities. We have groups to help with certain dysfunctions in your life. And then we have this neat little pinwheel thingy that shows you what to do next if you can't figure it out. And resources are here to help every adult who wants to adult? And I know some of you come from a background where you didn't get much help figuring out what to do or much encouragement to do it. That's okay. 
We are here to help with that. Adulting should be normative for you because it was for Jesus. And we want to help with that. I am here. You can come talk to me. You know, people come up to me and say, I've never met you before. Well, why have you not met me before? I'm standing right out in front of the church before every church service. Just walk up and tell me who you are. And if you need to come see me about something, come do that. Don't worry about what you tell me because after three weeks, I forget everything that we talked about. So there's, there's, no, there's no risk to whatever you tell me. You can come see me about that, and we will talk about ways for you to get on the right track. Fifth thing we see about Jesus adulting is that Jesus adulting was balanced. Don't overemphasize some preferred element of growth. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's just move quickly to the next point, and you'll see what I mean by that. Number six, Jesus learned and followed disciplines to adult. Jesus learned to follow God's will, to listen, ask questions, work hard, and obey. Jesus prayed. Jesus studied and knew His Scriptures. Jesus was compassionate, but He also kicked butt when He needed to. One minute, you see Him loving on little children. Next minute, you see Him turning over tables in the temple. As an adult, Jesus was well-rounded. So should you strive to be. Now, some of you are all about that gym, staying healthy, eating right, good for you. I should do more of that. I'll pat myself on the back because I had some turnip greens at lunch today. Uh, so you're, some of you are all about that, and I should do more of it. But you do that, but then you got like three D's and the F in your classes. Or the opposite could be true. Or maybe you have straight A's but zero friends. Or maybe you're all about your friends, but work, eh, not so much. Work on being balanced. Now, we got these last two points here about how Jesus adulted. You really need to get these last two. Number seven, Jesus adulting was not always understood by others. If you read Luke chapter 2, even Mary and Joseph did not understand Jesus' growth. So you, as an adult, can expect that you will not always be understood, appreciated, or applauded by others. You may be from some jacked-up family who has absolutely no appreciation for the Christian growth you're experiencing. That is okay. Here's what you'll find out. You'll find out that you'll be able to help them more as you grow more. An unhealthy family hates when one of its members starts to become healthier. I'm going to say that again. An unhealthy family hates when one of its family members starts becoming healthier. They want you to stay sick just like them. But the healthier you get, the more you'll be able to help unhealthy people. It takes mature people to help immature people. So be that mature person in your family, in your friend group, in your class, wherever you are. Part of adulting is you don't really care 
who does or doesn't approve of what you do or don't do. As an adult, you do something because it's right. And you do that right thing even when it hurts. Immature people, unhealthy people, dysfunctional people, lazy people will never understand you. And you have to be okay with that. Jesus was not always understood by others. And it will be the same for you as you effectively adult. Then number eight, Jesus adulted in spite of many obstacles. Jesus lived in a large family and they were poor. He was required to perform menial labor in his father's carpentry shop. He lived in a despised city under Roman occupation. Society as a whole was devolving and his own religion was at a very low ebb. So you can expect to adult in spite of obstacles. And I know you have obstacles. We all do. You have to plow through those to get to where you need to be. Obstacles can never be an excuse. Overcoming your obstacles is where you learn and it's where we are equipped to adult. And if you're in a mess right now, don't miss what God is teaching you and how He is equipping you through your troubles. Some of you have financial obstacles. Chances are it'll always be that way. You'll always feel like you'd never have enough money. You may have a family obstacle. Your family's weird and in some way that holds you back. Or maybe you've been told somehow you're developmentally uh, challenged. So you think maybe you can't do what other people do. But Jesus overcame his obstacles without whining. And we should do the same. So we've looked at uh, you know, that Jesus adulted and, and why you should do that. But how would you do that? Well, several ways here. First, you can be sure of your calling. John chapter 15 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in the name of my Father, or in my name, the Father will give you. So your calling is primarily to serve God. You have no higher calling than that. Serving God is not something that you just tack on to the end of your busy life. When you're done with everything else, let me just see if I can squeeze this in somewhere. No, that is the number one thing you do in your life. And then your calling secondarily is to serve other people. You can never get wrapped up in other people to the detriment of your relationship with God. Second thing, be sure of your gifts. Several Bible verses here that tell us all about that. Romans chapter 12 says, We have differing gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do so cheerfully. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, so Christ himself gave some to be the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, whole chapter. I'm not going to read it. But when you get a chance, when you go home tonight, you read it, and you'll read all about the gifts that God gives us. Next way is be systematic and committed to study God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be shamed, and who correctly handles the Word of truth. You want to correctly handle the Word of truth. Now, I have a way of studying the Bible every day that works very well for me. And I can't wait to get into it every morning. I think that most people have a hard time maintaining a, a consistent pattern of Bible study because they're not challenged. If you're reading a half-page devotional every day, you're just not going to be excited about doing that because it's not challenging enough. All right, so this morning I read... Two chapters in Numbers. Now, I wouldn't suggest you start in Numbers, okay? I'm just telling you what I'm doing. I read two chapters in Numbers, then I read five pages of commentary on that, and then I read just three verses in 1 John, but I read five pages on, the, on those three verses of commentary. Come see me, and I'll be glad to walk you through what I do and show you how to get the same books that I use. I bomb used for... Um, eight or nine dollars from Amazon very easy to get started in this come see me and we'll talk about it next way be systematic and committed to the discipline of prayer first Thessalonians chapter 5 says rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus next be committed to community Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe with the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So community, that is your church, provides a place where you can serve others in love and thereby exercising your gift. Also, community confirms your calling. People will look at you and recognize certain gifts in you, and they'll, they'll, they'll give you opportunities that you would not have had otherwise to exercise your gifts. And y'all do understand that church is not just here for your convenience should you ever decide to go. It's here to, uh, well, it's vital. It's here to help you grow, and it is vital to your growth. And you have to come and you have to participate in it. Next is simply be happy. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Nobody wants to be around you when you're just moping around, sad, whining about how terrible your life is. Your friends don't want to hear this. And you are repelling the opposite sex when you do this. 
Philippians 4.4 is a command. You do this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It is a command. Choose to do it. Choose to be happy. Then the final thing you do is be sure of your salvation. You don't just have to take a stab in the dark. You can know 100% that you are saved. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know. Be sure of your salvation by coming to Jesus as Savior. God loves you. God loves you with a perfect, unconditional love. But there's a problem. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that I am a sinner, that you are a sinner. Everybody you know, the sweetest little old lady you can think of, she's a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, there's, there's bad things that we do. Okay, that's one thing. But think about all the good things you should have done and didn't. That's how we sin. And the Bible tells us that we are separated from God because of our sin. It says your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God. And your sins have made Him hide His face from you. But of course, God loves us. He didn't just leave it that way. The Bible says that God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, everyone to come to repentance. That is, every person in this room. It doesn't matter who you are. This verse says everyone, and that includes you. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can and you should receive this free gift right now. The Bible says all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. When Jesus died on the cross, He was taking the punishment that you and I deserve to take for our sin. And now we can be free as we commit ourselves to Jesus and follow Him. Don't let anything hold you back from receiving God's free gift to you right now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for the example of Jesus. Father, we know too that we're not saved by the example of Jesus. We're saved by the death of Jesus on the cross. Father, we trust in, uh, in that death on the cross as full payment for our sin. Father, I pray right now for someone who needs to make that decision. I pray that they will be quick to understand what I'm saying, pray along with me, and then to respond as we're done tonight. Now, you've heard me present the gospel to you. Understand that if you make this decision, you're not just jumping on some Jesus bandwagon because it seems like a good idea. You're coming to Jesus as Lord of your life. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, 
then you will be saved. So you're coming to Jesus as master, as boss of your life. You're turning all of your tomorrows over to him. And you're recognizing yourself as a sinner. And you're deciding to repent, to turn away from your sin, and to live for Jesus. doesn't mean you'll be perfect every day after that. That never happens. But you, 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 you turn away and you repent from your sin and you turn to Jesus. If you're ready to make that decision and that commitment right now, then you can pray a prayer right along with me. These aren't magic words. And there's really nothing in the Bible that talks about praying a prayer to be saved. But we pray it because you need to tell Jesus of the commitment that you're making. And you need to be able to nail down a time when you decided to turn to Him. Pray a prayer with me that goes something like this. Nobody else has to hear you just silently in your heart. Pray a prayer something like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from God. But now, Jesus, I accept your death on the cross as full payment for my sin. I turn from my sin, and I want to live for you from this day forward. Show me what you'd have me to do to be the man, to be the woman that you would have me to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, we thank you for people who have prayed that prayer just now. I pray that they will not leave this building tonight without letting someone know of the decision and the commitment that they've made. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we dismiss tonight, if you prayed that prayer along with me and you're ready to commit to Jesus, we have a table right over here where you can stop by and let us know about the important commitment that you've made.